0: Part five of Chapter four of A Student's History of American Literature by William Simons. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter four, Part five, Edgar Allan Poe, eighteen o nine to eighteen forty nine. Four and a half years after the date of Hawthorne's birth. There was born in Boston another child of eccentric genius, like the lonely orphan boy in Salem, destined to literary fame as a dreamer of romance, and alas, destined also to a career unique in the history of American letters, for its brevity, its pathos, and its tragedy. Edgar Allan Poe was born January nineteenth, eighteen 1809. That his birth occurred in Boston was due to the fact that his parents members of a theatrical company were filling an engagement in that city when the event occurred david poe the father of the child was a southerner a native of baltimore where the poes were people of character and standing connection with the parental home had ceased however when the young man had recklessly pushed his law books aside for an uncertain career upon the stage he was never a brilliant actor the lady whom he married was by far his superior in their profession and possessed the more vigorous personality of the two it was from his mother that edgar inherited his artistic temperament while the prevailing weaknesses of the boy's later life it is safe to assert were a natural inheritance from his father within a year of edgar's birth his father died and a year or two later mrs poe also died at richmond virginia in poverty leaving three young children to the charity of friends a mrs allen wife of a tobacco merchant of richmond had become interested in the suffering family and took edgar into her home the black-eyed curly-haired boy handsome and precocious soon won his way into the affections of mr and mrs allen he was given the name of his foster parents was made the pet of the household and treated with a degree of indulgence far from wise one of his accomplishments was the ability to declaim childish speeches before the dinner guests when the table was cleared for dessert and to pledge the health of the company in wine with roguish grace in eighteen fifteen mr allen went to england taking his family with him edgar then six years old was placed in the manor house school in a suburb of london and there he remained five years the associations of this period left a strong and not unpleasant impression on the boy's memory they are recalled with some detail in the story william wilson at this old and typical english school the youth was brought in contact with much that was ancient with many reminders of great historic characters and events he studied latin and french participated in all outdoor sports and before the close of his residence had begun to write occasional verse the principal of the school had remarked nothing in edgar allen as he was called except that he was clever but spoilt by an extravagant amount of pocket money upon the return of the family to america in eighteen twenty the boy continued his studies at a private school in richmond where he appeared to be a quick and brilliant pupil although not always steady or accurate in scholarship he excelled in athletics was a skillful boxer and a daring swimmer having it is said one hot june day swum six miles in the james river against a strong tide like byron he was very proud of this accomplishment The University of Virginia had been opened under the patronage of Thomas Jefferson in 1825. At the beginning of 1826, Poe, then 17, placed his name upon the register of students. In the convivial atmosphere of undergraduate fellowship, habits of irresponsibility and reckless indulgence were easily acquired. To such habits this proud, impulsive, and highly strung youth was especially susceptible. At the same time there was a reserve and a self-absorption that checked intimacy. His classmates hardly knew him except as a person of high spirit. His favorite diversion was to wander off for a long solitary ramble among the outlying hills of the ragged mountains, giving rein to his fancy and returning to his associates with some wild romance, story, or poem, which he would recite for their pleasure. He was fairly regular in attendance on the exercises and at the end of the year secured honors in French and Latin he had also unfortunately accumulated gambling debts to a large amount and when the year closed mr Allen withdrew poe from the university refused to pay the debts thus incurred and set the young man at work in his counting-room smarting under a sense of injustice in the severity of his foster-father's treatment Poe ran away to Boston and enlisted in the army under the name of e a Perry but he first secured the publication of his earliest volume Tamerlane and other poems which appeared in the spring of eighteen twenty seven poe's record in the service was an honorable one in two years time he had been promoted to the rank of sergeant-major for merit then occurred the death of mrs Allen and this brought a reconciliation mr allen secured edgar's release from the service in january eighteen twenty nine and not long thereafter obtained his appointment as a cadet in the military academy at west point poe entered the academy in july and for a time performed his duties with credit then he became discontented and despondent neglected all obligations was court-martialed and dismissed in january eighteen thirty one this made the breach with mr allen complete and final a second edition of his poems had been published by poe at richmond while waiting for his appointment to the academy in eighteen twenty nine there had been additions to the volume issued at boston two years before al araf a vague and mystical poem the longest of poe's compositions was added to the first collection it reflects the influence of shelley as the earlier poem tamerlane suggests the influence of byron after the dismissal from west point a third edition entitled simply poems eighteen thirty one was brought out by poe in new york here were included some of his finest compositions to helen israfel the city in the sea lenore and the valley of unrest already his verse had acquired its haunting music Already found its note of melancholy. Now began Poe's struggle with fate. The panorama of his most stormy life is a lurid one. A hurried glimpse will be sufficient. For two or three years he made his home in Baltimore with his father's sister, Mrs. Clem. He wrote for magazines and did all kinds of literary hack work. The romantic tales were now begun, and one of these manuscript found in a bottle, secured in eighteen thirty three a prize of one hundred dollars offered by a weekly literary paper in baltimore this success brought poe some timely friends who helped him to an editorial position on the southern literary messenger at a salary of five hundred dollars this magazine was published at richmond whither poe now returned to the messenger poe contributed a few tales and poems none of which is now recognized as of more than minor importance but it was as a critic that poe now startled the readers and the writers of that day there had been some attempts at literary criticism by american writers before this an article by bryant in the north american review in eighteen eighteen has already been mentioned and there were some literary studies written about the same time by richard henry dana which are properly termed critical but there had been no such outspoken and vigorous reviews as were now produced by poe the noteworthy fact concerning them is not that they were trenchant but that they were based upon certain definite principles of criticism formulated by poe and consistently followed by him in his own literary work it is an evidence of the intellectual versatility of the poet that he appears conspicuously in this field also and as a pioneer the literary messenger now came to be recognized as one of the leading magazines of the country if not the foremost and Poe's prospects appeared very bright in eighteen thirty six he married his cousin virginia clem the beautiful and talented child wife then not quite fourteen years of age whom with passionate devotion the poet loved and cherished until her pathetic and miserable death in eighteen forty seven but the journalistic career which had begun so promisingly was interrupted by the habits of indulgence which were to prove the ruin of poe in january eighteen thirty seven he lost his position on the messenger and removed to new york in eighteen thirty eight he published his longest story the narrative of arthur gordon philadelphia now seemed to offer poe a better opportunity for success and in the summer of eighteen thirty eight he proceeded thither here the poet seems to have made a successful effort to recover his self-control for a long period he appears to have refrained altogether from the use of wine this is the period of poe's strongest work the tales of the grotesque and the arabesque were published in two volumes at the end of eighteen thirty nine two years after the appearance of hawthorne's twice-told tales in his critical reviews of this period poe is even more independent and emphatic than in the messenger articles he made a notorious attack upon longfellow repeated at various times charging the new england poet with gross plagiarism while Longfellow bore Poe's attacks with unfailing equanimity. This was not the case with all who suffered. Not a few of his victims became bitter personal enemies of the imperious reviewer. Poe now enters a new field of fiction, of which he may be regarded as the discoverer. This is the story in which a mystery is apparently solved by analysis and reason. The modern detective story is our present popular example of the type. Poe's analytical powers were remarkable. When the opening chapters of Dickens' novel, Barnaby Rudge, appeared, Poe forecast from them the entire plot of the novel. The solution of papers written in cipher, cryptographs, was a favorite pastime with him. He declared that no one could invent a cipher that he could not solve and at one period he was kept busy deciphering specimens of enigmatic productions of this sort it was in eighteen forty one that poe's masterpiece in this kind of fiction the murders in the rue morgue appeared this was followed by another narrative the mystery of marie roger in which the author applied his method in the study of an actual murder mystery which occurred in new york in eighteen forty three was published the gold bug the third in this group of realistic narratives the most popular of all his tales this also was a competitive story and brought his writer a second one hundred dollar prize again poe enjoyed unusual advantages in eighteen thirty nine he became associate editor of burton's magazine one of the most successful periodicals of the time but he quarreled with his principal and lost his position before the close of 1840. Within a month or two, however, he had been made the editor of Graham's magazine, as important a publication as Burton's, and then, for some irregularity, the nature of which is unknown, again he was discharged. Although all evidence indicates that Poe had fairly conquered his old vice of intemperance during these years, there is unhappily other evidence that he was using opium the main cause of his journalistic failures however probably lay in the temperament of the man himself eccentric irritable self-willed as audacious in his treatment of others as he was sensitive to their treatment of him it is not strange that this singular man who did not lack admirers or friends was unable to retain business associations with them in society when he chose to enter it both in philadelphia and later in new york he was a marked figure he was often serious and silent but his broad and pallid brow his large piercing eyes his gracious manner when he did converse and his remarkably melodious voice gave a peculiar charm to his presence in his home to both wife and mother he was the embodiment of kindness and tenderness from Philadelphia the Poes removed to New York in eighteen forty four and the struggle for existence became acute in the course of the first year of residence in New York Poe made the acquaintance of Willis the most popular and most influential member of the Knickerbocker group Willis at once made a place for Poe on his paper the evening mirror thus it was that in this paper in January eighteen forty five Poe published the raven The appearance of this poem perhaps the most widely known of all american poems gave poe a national reputation it was copied in well nigh every newspaper in the land again the future looked bright for one whom people now hailed as the foremost among american poets the tales were republished all of his poetical compositions that he wished to preserve were collected and published under the title of the raven and other poems. Moreover, he had become, in this year, 1845, editor and proprietor of the Broadway Journal. But with the close of the year, the journal was abandoned, and Poe was left with a substantial debt. In 1846, the family was established in a little cottage of the humblest description at Fordham, now in the borough of the Bronx, then not within the limits of the city mrs clem had become and not for the first time the mainstay of the household virginia was dying with consumption poe himself was broken in health half insane with anxiety and grief he had lapsed into the old excesses before the year closed they were in absolute destitution the death of virginia occurred in january eighteen forty seven under conditions too painful to be described The two years which followed were pitiable enough. After the poet had, in a measure, recovered his shattered health, he employed himself in various efforts without much success. He wrote a long and elaborate essay, which he called Eureka. It was an attempt to explain the existence of the universe. He thought that he had solved the mystery of creation. But these conceptions of his erratic imagination have no scientific value. Of more worth are the poems written during this period. ULALUM The Bells For Annie and Annabel Lee This last-name ballad a poignant memory of the child-wife Virginia. In 1849, Poe was again in Richmond, hoping to get aid to establish a new magazine. On the last day of September, he departed on his return to New York and stopped over in Baltimore to see some friends. He was drinking heavily. On the 3rd of October, it being an election day, Poe was found, unconscious and in wretched plight, in a rear room of a rum shop, used as a polling place. Friends were summoned, and the unfortunate man was conveyed to a hospital. On the 7th of October, without regaining his senses, he died, dismally. His last words were, Lord, help my poor soul. The next morning, five friends of the poet Followed his body to its cheerless burial in the old cemetery of Westminster Church, such in the outline is the tragic story of Edgar Allan Poe. To add to these details would be to emphasize its sordid aspects rather than to brighten it. The blighted career, the disastrous climax of his misfortune can excite but one feeling: a profound pity for this unhappy soul whom unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore yet over this strange personality critics have contended more fiercely than over any other in our literary annals at the same time we may say that no american poet lives more vividly in the memory of his countrymen than edgar allan Poe nor is there any other that in the eye of europe ranks as high as he already before his death French writers had detected in Poe's works a quality that appealed strongly to their artistic sense. His poems and tales were translated into their language, later into Spanish and German also. To the present time, Germany, Spain, and France regard the author of The Raven as the supreme representative of the West in literary art. Let us look briefly at Poe's actual achievement, remembering, if in volume his imaginative work appears disappointing that he died at forty and that during the two brief years of his working life he was beset with weaknesses and embarrassed by failures such as occurred in the experience of no other american writer of first rank His productions fall into three groups the critical articles the tales and the poems poe was as has been said a pioneer in this country in the field of serious criticism as matter of fact nearly half of his literary work is of this nature besides the pungent reviews of contemporary writers the critical essays on the rationale of english verse and the poetic principle must not be forgotten he was not always a sound critic he was not infallible in his judgments, and in some of his attacks he was inspired by jealousy or prejudice. But it is remembered that he was one of the earliest to recognize the genius of Mrs. Browning and of Tennyson, that he applauded Dickens from the start, that he was one of the first to discover Hawthorne, and wrote warmly of his work, although he later denied his originality and characteristically declared that Hawthorne had stolen some material from his own tale of William Wilson. For Lowell's verse, Poe had nothing but praise, and Longfellow, in spite of his own ill-tempered attack, he placed at the head of American poets. He also noted the limitations of Irving, Cooper, and Bryant, and in much of his criticism he has been justified by time. The general effect of his critical work was apparently helpful in the development of American literature. Poe wrote some seventy tales of greatly varying merit these can be considered but briefly and in groups we find first narratives of romantic adventure typified by a manuscript found in a bottle intense in its suggestions of the mysterious and unearthly his longest piece of fiction the narrative of arthur gordon pym inspired perhaps by the popular success of cooper's romances of the sea is as realistic in its employment of commonplace and minute details as any of the narratives of defoe the first great master of realism in fiction poe's imaginative power is exhibited in vivid pictures of murder mutiny shipwreck and starvation which are gruesome enough and sometimes become so morbid as to be offensive to sound taste but in the conclusion of the tale his poetic imagination asserts itself in wonderful descriptions of an unknown land and of the mysterious white sea of the antarctic in a descent into the maelstrom we have the finest example of this group realistic poetical and thoroughly impressive the adventures of one hans fall like the subsequent story the balloon hoax is based upon the possibilities real and romantic, of aerial navigation and is a prototype of such pseudo-scientific fiction as the romances of jules verne poe makes a brave display of scientific knowledge in all these tales a knowledge which is superficial in fact although effective in the machinery of his realism another group contains the analytical tales which poe himself called tales of ratiocination, because their appeal is to the reasoning faculty rather than to the emotions the presentation of a mystery the solution of which is to follow is always fascinating and poe's dominion over his reader is nowhere more complete than in these tales that the romancer having first built up his mystery is obviously only retracing his own steps in the working out of its solution does not at all affect the interest of his story for here his art is strong enough to produce the illusion that the reader is watching the first unravelling of the plot. The gold bug, the murders in the Rue Morgue, the mystery of Marie Roget, and the purloined letter still remain our best examples, at least in the short story form, of this class of fiction. Working more closely in the field cultivated by Hawthorne, poe produced also a group of romantic tales in which conscience is the theme william wilson the narrative of a man with a double is the best it might have been the suggestion of stevenson's dr jekyll and mr hyde here are to be included also the horrible story of the black cat the tell-tale heart and thou art the man but poe's most effective tales are those which are carefully elaborately designed to produce a vivid effect on the reader's mind foremost among them is the remarkable fantasy the fall of the house of usher a masterpiece of literary art wherein every sentence is significant and almost every word a contribution to the dismal effect here belongs also the mask of the red death with its weird use of colors its atmosphere of revelry invaded by the horror of the plague Ligeia, a fantasy of transmigration the cask of amontillado a study in revenge and hop-frog in which the same theme again appears grotesquely treated fall in the same group the morbid element is conspicuous in all death horrible and ghastly pestilence dissolution the awakening of the dead the awakening of those prematurely buried these are the instruments of horrible suggestiveness which are here employed it is no wonder that one's flesh creeps as he reads that was in the design poe had little of the sense of humor he wrote however a number of extravaganzas with intent to make them humorous in one the devil in the belfry he succeeded fairly another phase of his fancy is discovered in two beautiful landscape pictures masterpieces of natural description the domain of arnheim and lander's cottage pure idealizations of romantic scenery worthy of a poet's dream if the volume of poe's verse is small there is an unusual proportion of compositions that attain the perfection of form The best of them are exquisite embodiments of Poe's own theories regarding his art. Poetry and music were allied in his mind, the aim in both to produce an impression. The poetical effect, he said, could be prolonged only to a certain limit, and that he placed at about one hundred lines. He had no sympathy with the idea that poetry should inculcate a moral. This idea he termed the heresy of the didactic and soundly rated the New England poets for their inclination so to write. Poetry, he defined as the rhythmical creation of beauty. The poetic principle manifests itself in an elevating excitement of the soul. In the service of beauty, Poe employed his art. We can easily name the titles of his most effective poems. They are The Song to Liger in Al-Araf, the First to Helen, Israfel, The City in the Sea, The Colosseum, The Haunted Palace, The Conqueror Worm, Ululun, for Annie, The Raven, The Bells, and Annabel Lee. Poe's melodies are haunting ones. Sonorous words play an important part in the mechanics of his composition. Repetition, sometimes in the form of assonance, as in the line, from a wild weird clime that lieth sublime sometimes in the refrain so effectively employed in the raven sometimes in the recurrence of the identical word as in dreamland and in ulalume is used with marked musical effect poe makes artful use of melodious names like ober eldorado israfel ulalume lenore there is a wonderful charm in the rhythmic movement of poe's verse and there is also for most readers a charm in that omnipresent melancholy which pervades his poems so characteristic is this last quality that poe has been described not as a single poem poet but the poet of a single mood weird mystical unearthly out of space out of time these compositions succeed in fulfilling the purpose of their author they impress the mind with ideas of supernal beauty they speak no message of hope or inspiration they teach no lesson in poe's conception of his art the poet as prophet had no place if poe had a literary master it was the author of christabel and the rhyme of the ancient mariner coleridge more than any other poet Taught the author of Israfel and the Raven the secret of melodious verse and the fascination of the weird. Of post tales, selection should be made as to include the several types. The following will serve for the purpose A Descent into the Maelstrom, The Goldbug, The Murders of the Rue Morgue, William Wilson, The Fall of the House of Usher, Legia, Landor's Cottage, The Devil in the Belfry, these eight tales are fairly representative of Poe's best work in romance. Having read these, the average reader will not need urging to increase the list. The student should make a study of the very impressive tale The Fall of the House of Usher. Let him examine word by word the careful composition of the introductory paragraph, heedfully noting the cumulative effect of the descriptive phrases like dull, dark, and soundless day in the autumn of the year when the clouds hung oppressively low singularly dreary etc and also the iteration of the feeling evoked in the narrator as expressed in terms like insufferable gloom utter depression of soul unredeemed dreariness of thought then let him apply the same method to the study of the piece as a structure and he will perceive something of the mechanics of poe's masterpiece as he clearly recognizes its marvelous effect of the poems the raven of course calls for our first attention poe's article on the philosophy of composition will be found helpfully suggestive in studying the poem although no one accepts seriously all that the author says regarding its composition. At least all of the twelve poems named in this text should be read, and the uniformity of tone and theme be noted. The standard edition of Poe's complete works is the Virginia edition, seventeen volumes, edited by James A. Harrison, Crowell, 1902. The works, in ten volumes, edited by e c stedman and g e woodbury is also authoritative the latest full biography is j a harrison's life and letters of edgar Allan poe nineteen o three g e woodbury's edgar Allan poe american men of letters series is the best critical biography a briefer life of poe by w p trent in the english men of letters series is announced The sections upon Poe in Trent's American Literature, Richardson's American Literature, Wendell's Literary History of America, and Stedman's Poets of America are valuable for reference. End of Part 5 of Chapter 4 End of Chapter 4 Philosophy and Romance